welcome to episode 129 of Retro Encounter, RPG fans' topic-specific themed podcast on a weekly basis. <laughs> yeah, excuse me for that. It's, okay, you need to, you, we need to compartmentalize that a bit. <laughs> I, I never know what to say for the, the description of Retro Encounter. Really, the only thing that we know about it going week to week, episode to episode, is that it is once a week. Usually Thursdays, sometimes Friday or Saturday, if I've had a if I've had a rough time that week. But here we are, 129 episodes in, and I am with two of my retro encounter best buds. Uh, first among which is Peter Treisenberg. Hey everyone, Peter Treisenberg. I have Fury on the boards. And second of which, Keegan Lee. Hey guys, Bozzy Bear on the boards here. Now, guys, uh, this episode was a long time coming. Like it 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 started out as us playing with the idea of doing another list of 10 games like we like when we did two years ago um but also we weren't interested in just redoing that and we weren't interested in having the creation of the list be the discussion of the episode because that was really messy last time it was fun and i i'm i i don't have regrets about that episode but it, it was messy would you agree peter you were on that one with me yeah yeah i mean it was definitely a, it was a process for sure yeah so but we were interested in doing something a little like that again, and so we arrived at the idea of have this be like a little bit like the Essential Ten episode, but also a little bit like the SNES Encounter episode that we did, uh, I think, of a few months before that. I think it was also 2016. So we did a Super Nintendo episode and a Top Ten List episode in 2016, and we're combining those two concepts for today's very special episode, Top Ten Super Nintendo RPGs. Now, but we did most of the discussion ahead of time. Like there was a lot of, a lot of Slack chats, uh, a, a very messy Google Doc that probably <laughs> should have been remade into a second Google Doc, and uh, I would say weeks of discussion. It was mostly the three of us, but there was input from some other people on staff as well. Mm-hmm. And we did arrive at a ranked list of ten that uh, I, I feel pretty good about. I'm a, I'm a little upset about a couple things here and there. Like there's no. Uh, um, oh, just what was something that I fought for that didn't make it in? Uh, there's no, there's only one Final Fantasy game in here for one, and then I think that probably we could have done th- as many as three. But uh, I mean, the list is what it is. We're not making any changes now. We've already done way too much discussion about this off air, and so for the listeners, we are only going to show the final ranked list of ten Super Nintendo RPGs that we concocted together. So, um, but before we go and uh, reveal number ten, um, Keegan, do you have any thoughts about the creation of this list? Any any real regrets? Any um, where's your headspace right now? I'll be honest; it was kind of a brutal process at times. Like there were a couple of personal messages that I had to send to Peter just because I was getting really heated. But yeah, we definitely had to like kind of you know cool off a bit. Yeah, but I think in the end we were all able to come together. I think the fact that we all agreed on number one speaks volumes about how we feel about it. And I'm very confident that this list, if not definitive for everyone, is the definitive RPG fan Super Nintendo list. No, it's it's not a definitive list by any any stretch of the imagination. Like, saying something is a definitive list of something is, you know, that, that person's full of crap. But this is a list that I feel is honest. It was, um, it was tempered. We put a genuine effort forth and got a genuine result that we are satisfied with right now. We were not satisfied for much of those weeks of planning, but now I think we all feel pretty good. Peter, you, uh, where are you on the status of the list, just your feelings about it? 
Yeah, you know, I, I had a couple games that I wanted to suggest that didn't quite make the cut, and I was a bit salty about that. Yeah. But uh, we, 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 I think we, we came together pretty well. We figured it out eventually. We Everyone made really good arguments for their inclusions. And all in all, I think I'm pretty happy with the final product. Right on. So anyway, we're not doing any discussion. We're not changing the order of anything. We are only going to present the list and discuss each item one by one, starting with number 10 and ending at number 1. No honorable mentions or almost made the cuts. There's not, I'm not going to fake it and say this list is actually 14 or something. No. It's, <laughs> it's these 10 games, and we're going to start with number 10. Number 10 on the list, Chrono Trigger. And you didn't see that one coming, did you? Yeah, I didn't. I think I, I had, um, when I was sort of gave you guys my first uh, proposed 10, Chrono Trigger was very high up for me. But I, I think basically we all like Chrono Trigger. That wasn't the issue at all. But all of us had other games on the list that we felt more strongly about being on the list. And Chrono Trigger sort of uh, just kept falling down a little bit with um, other games that people felt strongly about. I'm glad that Chrono Trigger... I would have been upset if Chrono Trigger didn't make the list. but I, but I And I probably would have had it higher than 10th, but here's where it is, man. I think it's unfortunate that it's at 10th, but I think it also speaks volumes to the other games on this list of how well they are. I mean, if Chrono Trigger is the starting point, I mean, how can we just go from here, you know? Yeah, and absolutely. Chrono Trigger is one of those games where it's like... It's it's place in RPG history has been pretty firmly cemented, and I think it, it makes it it's one of those games where it gets so much recognition for what and and rightly so. But there's just a lot of other games I think we wanted to give the spotlight to. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that Chrono Trigger isn't an amazing game because it truly is. Yeah, and I uh, I mean I played Chrono Trigger a little recently. Uh, I played it last year for the podcast, and yeah, me too. Yeah, oh yeah, because it, it was you. Uh, myself, Chris, and Alana. Am I guessing that right? Or was there to be a fifth? I, I believe so. I would have to. So it was the, it was Chris's first time playing it, which I thought was insane. But like it, Chrono Trigger has been part of my life and in the grand canon of Super Nintendo RPGs for so long that I think I sort of just accepted it as great and I acknowledge that it it's great and I love it. But it's just it's sort of always been there as this untouchable Super Nintendo RPG that. Um, I don't know. It almost felt a little boring to have super to have it as in like the number one or number two spot. So, I think the three of us were just very comfortable having it fall down the list until it settled at tenth, mm-hmm. which is which is weird to think about. But here's here we are, right? Yeah, right. So anyway, number ten is Chrono Trigger. Number nine on our list of top ten Super Nintendo RPGs is Act Razor. So you should so the listeners should know how how big fans some of us are of Quintet's games. You know, they made Terra Enigma, they made Illusion of Gaia. Just some really great stuff. I adore ActRaiser. It um it is unlike any other game that I've played. The uh both the city phases and the battle phases are the gameplay is just outstanding. The designs are cool. There's it it sort of combines god game with action game and RPG in a way that hasn't really been replicated since and does it with a lot of personality and uh and and it I you know I'm stuttering, but I'm sort of surprised there aren't a dozen ActRaiser clones. Like, why? Why is it the like ActRaiser Two isn't even like ActRaiser? Uh, yeah, it's weird. They they never replicated the success of that first game. It was like this gem in this this diamond in the rough, and then uh, they never followed up on that. I think they meant ActRaiser Two to be like the first one, but then they had to cut out the town phases and some of the RPG elements. Uh, be uh, probably for time or budget reasons, because even the way you stage select in that game is just like ActRaiser One. But ActRaiser is 
I think one of the signature Super Nintendo games. This may be the game I'm. Uh, the, I was the saltiest was not included on the um, Super Nintendo Classic device from the late 2017, but it's uh, just an outstanding Super Nintendo RPG. I, I uh, I've actually never beaten it because of the final I, I mentioned I mentioned this on the podcast last year. Um, there's there's uh, six stages or six zones, and each zone has two bosses. And for the final boss, you have to beat all of the six zone bosses in a row, and then a new final boss afterwards. And oh, it, wow. yeah, and it would take all of my resources just to beat one of those bosses in the in the in the regular stages. So I could not handle all set all seven in a row. Um, and I think I have uh, I think I got to the seventh final final boss once or twice, but that's it. So like I do revisit Act Razor semi often, but I'll it, it will be me beating the first two stages and, and then moving on to something else. Or well, actually, you can choose the order of zones. Uh, um, I, I beat Fillmore and Bloodpool and then move on to something else. So, but uh, uh, Keegan, have you played Act Razor? You've been a little bit quiet on this one, because and I know you weren't defending it when we were f- making this list uh, over the course of March. It's funny because I actually uh, picked up the game shortly after we made the list. Uh, I went to one of my uh, local retro uh, game stores, found a copy there for about like four hundred and fifty dollars. So I think I got a steal on it. It felt made, pretty cheap. But. They might have, they might have stolen from you. I don't think it's that expensive, but uh, and but it is a little hard to find, and the only way to legally have it. On a modern system is a uh, is the Wii Virtual Console it does have ActRaiser, but, but it's not on the Wii U Virtual Console or the or the new 3DS Virtual Console. Is the Are you telling me I could have hooked up my Wii and bought it? Your Wii or your Wii or possibly your Wii U and Wii mode, but I'm not sure. I'm less sure about that. I'm not sure if the Wii Virtual Console is even still up, so it might be. That I think I think it just died at the end of 2017, maybe. But I'm not. I'm not positive. I, I, but I still have my Wii that has a copy of Act Razor on it, and that's how I've been playing it uh, re- at least the past couple of years. Rest in peace, Wii. We will miss you. Eh, will we, though? Uh. <laughs> the, Wii, the Wii U's virtual console is next, mark my words. Now that they've announced Smash, like, that's when they're gonna, that's when they're gonna start shutting down the Wii U servers. There's a couple Wii games that I like enough to keep my Wii out, but if they got Switch ports or even ports to other systems... For the non-Nintendo games, I, I wouldn't mind being able to put that thing away. Yeah, no, I hear you. But anyway, I think we've talked enough about ActRaiser. ActRaiser is our game number nine on our top ten Super Nintendo RPGs list. And so now we move on to number eight, a personal favorite of mine, Donkey Kong Country 2 Diddy's Conquest. And <laughs> we mentioned before recording, um, Keegan, both you and I didn't realize the Conquest Conquest pun until we were yes. <laughs> until de- at least a decade or two after playing this game. I think the English major in me just just automatically read it as Diddy's Diddy Kong's Quest. Yes, like, exactly. My, my my brain just moved that uh, apostrophe. Yeah, I, shoot, I might have been there too. I don't know. And I think and I don't, this wasn't an original thought coming from me. I think I saw it as a joke on, oh, I don't know, probably tw- probably Twitter. And then and then I I realized, oh my god, that. That's true of me too. What, what, what have what, I've been living a lie all this time? But okay, one <laughs> one lie we have not been living is that, uh, or I should say, one thing we've been living that's not a lie is that this is one of the best RPGs on the Super Nintendo. Um, mm-hmm. So many more gameplay refinements from the first Donkey Kong Country. Uh, everyone agrees Dixie Kong is the best sidekick of all of these two character <laughs> Donkey Kong games, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, yeah. Does it, that's the question though. Does it have funky mode? It does not have funky mode, 
<laughs> we, we will be able to play Tropical Freeze in funky mode very soon. But uh, when when they brought back uh, Dixie for Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, I think everyone uh, embraced that because she has the most fun design of all the of all the Kong characters, and also is has the best ability. But anyway, DKC two improved production value from the first game. More uh, more gameplay phases like that. Both Diddy and Dixie played differently than Donkey and Diddy in the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, more animal buddies. Uh, the music is amazing. This is one of the best soundtrack uh, best soundtracks on the Super Nintendo. Uh, David Wise did it, and it is awesome. But I, yeah. I think it, I think it stands out as one of the best Super Nintendo RPGs. I was really happy this made the final list. Oh, absolutely. Um, I see it compared a lot to uh, Secret of Mana with some of the similarities. You know, it has the co op play. Sure, yeah, and 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 be able to um, switch characters on the fly. Yes, but I I, I feel like DKC two does it better. You know, I just have to say. And I think that's why we see it here on the list. It's just a marvel of Super Nintendo RPG excellence. And it's it's better than the first or third one. I don't know if it's the best one overall because, I mean, Tropical Freeze is pretty great. Yeah, I, I think I think it belongs on this list, especially since the variety of environments and how good the music is. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And another thing of, about the SNES Classic, uh, that thing only had Donkey Kong Country 1 on it, and it's like, man, why, why didn't you put the best one on this? Come on. <laughs> What are you doing, Nintendo? Get out of here. I mean, You're, go there's, home. There's, You're drunk. They need to release like a, an SNES Classic 2 that has like twice as many games. Oh, God, they, I'd probably buy it, too. How sad is that? <laughs> it, the, depending on what was on it. Or it's like they an expansion. got me wrapped around their fingers. It's like an expansion cart for the SNES Classic. <laughs> you can put it into like the unused controller port or something. Yeah, right, right. And it adds like 20 more games. Stop. These are really good ideas. If Nintendo's <laughs> listening, we're done probably get that too but anyway number eight on our list donkey kong country 2 diddy's kong quest another excellent super nintendo rpg but we're moving on to number seven this you know um keegan you were i think the most fervent defender of this game this wasn't even the game in the series i would have picked for this spot but at no spot number seven mega man soccer it's definitely the most RPG-ish of the Mega Man games on the Super Nintendo. Like, uh, like in the Mega Man X series, they added the the equipment that, that increases your health and more and more variation to the weapons and uh, more ways to upgrade your character. Just like the, Mega Man X brought the RPG elements to Mega Man in a way that hadn't happened before. But really, Mega Man Soccer is about those RPG elements with a with a larger party of characters. Mm-hmm. And you making that point made me begrudgingly accept that Mega Man Soccer was a better choice than Mega Man X for our list of RPGs. So, yeah, you know, I know. care to elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, I do. I do apologize for how heated these um, discussions got. By the way, I know we didn't want to talk about it, but I feel like I should apologize to you. Moving on to Mega Man Soccer is unlike anything we've seen before or since in a Mega Man or Super Nintendo RPG. A fun fact, too, people think this is a guiding game, but it actually takes place after Mega Man 4, so it does fit into the canon of the Mega Man series. Oh, yeah, I guess there aren't any characters from Mega Man 5 or 6 in it, yeah. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun little note for the Mega Man fans out there who kind of ignored this one, which is a shame. Yeah, my, my grasp because... of the Mega Man timeline is not, is not, the, is not the firmest. <laughs> it, uh, like, I, I think it's a little better than Street Fighter in that like, the Mega Man games do happen in the order of the game's numbers, which is... Which is helpful, because, I mean, Street Fighter, I think the technical order of Street Fighter is 1, 0, 2, uh, 4, 5, 3, I think. 
Sorry, I just had an aneurysm yeah. when you mentioned Street Fighter. I, I, I'm, I'm being 100% serious. I think that is the order of the Street Fighter main series. But and, and but Zero was called Alpha in the uh, um, in the West. But yeah, um, Mega Man Soccer. I was I'm not I wasn't really aware of its position with the canon. But it is it is a satisfying, entertaining Mega Man RPG. It's uh, and and especially the team building and team design parts of it are what give it an edge in RPG elements over. Mega Man X, which is, you know, full disclosure, Mega Man X is my favorite Mega Man game. That's fair. I can understand that. And so, uh, Peter, I know, I th- uh, like, you weren't getting angry about that Mega Man X versus Mega Man soccer discussion like Keegan and I were, but uh, what are your thoughts on its inclusion on our list here? Oh, I, th- I think it's it's one of the best decisions we made, I think. Um, it doesn't get a lot of attention, truth be told. Um, we, I, uh, when we were talking, we were talking about this in another episode about how Mega Man has this really surprisingly storied history of RPGs, I completely overlooked Mega Man Soccer. Right. We and... we, we um we even talked about Meg- Mega Man Battle Network and Mega Man X Command Mission two weeks ago for uh, for the podcast. Yeah. So like, and I'm like, Mega Man has like a dozen has a dozen RPGs to his name, and this one is almost like where that whole legacy starts. Like you're just looking at it with. You're just managing your group, your party of different um, Mega Man characters is just—it's really hard to believe I didn't pick up on the similarities before now. And also, I mean, it goes without saying, uh, Capcom sprite design in the '90s and early 2000s is just awesome. Like they—they they <laughs> always made made a. They're they're always very expressive and cartoony and sort of cute and cool at the same time. They're like like the classic Mega Man robot ma- robot master designs are. Among the finest in sort of video game enemy designs, I uh, I always just get hit by waves of nostalgia playing uh, old Street Fighter and Mega Man games, especially from the '90s. But uh, but I mean, Capcom had good '80s and 2000s stuff. But this w- Mega Man Soccer takes place in Capcom's heyday of sprite work and art design, and that I think that helps the game a lot too. It's absolutely yeah, for sure. All right, so I, I think we've done enough showering of praise on Mega Man Soccer. We're ready to move on to the next spot. Oh, yes. Yeah, I think so. Okay, now, um, I won't say this is my favorite game on the list. It absolutely isn't, I, uh, although I, I do support its conclusion. But I think it might have the best boss fights of any game that we have on this list at all. And, that, oh, yeah. and the game we're talking about, of course, is Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!, the um, the si- the size of the characters, because like I mean, like basically everyone's three times the size of Little Mac in this game, and the expressiveness of uh, of both when they're attacking and when they're injured is just so cool, and the fights are so intense. And I I've never beaten any game in the Punch Out series because I mean, before the Super Nintendo one, we had uh, we there was a, there was one on the NES, but they replaced Mike Tyson with Mr. with a. Uh, it was either Mr. Dream or Mr. S- or Sandman. I forget which. Uh, I believe it's Mr. Dream, but okay. right. Okay, okay. And then there was the Wii one, which also had Sandman as the final boss. And mm-hmm. uh, and but but was both of them were pretty good. I've played all of them, but I have not beaten any of them. Although I've done the first, you know, two thirds of the game for all of them. But Mike, I mean, Mike Tyson's Punch Out on the Super Nintendo, absolutely the best one. The uh, the combat is so intense. The boss fights are great, and every, everything looks so good. Um, uh, Peter, what's your experience with Mike Tyson's Punch Out for the Super Nintendo? Um, honestly, I just um, I, I first heard about it, you know, reading Nintendo Power magazine. It was one of those classic games that I really had to go back and experience for myself. And when I played it, I was just really impressed. Like you mentioned, by the the detail of the sprites is really something. The expressiveness, um, these the boss fights in this game, um, 
it's really it's a game of pattern recognition and just learning to get into the groove of your the enemy's attacks, being able to recognize their tells. In a lot of ways, it's kind of a predecessor to Dark Souls. Yeah, I yes. I, I, I get that. I mean, be, like feeling out the fights methodically and and like and searching for your openings before really and then seizing on opportunities. There there is similarity there. I. I mean, I'm not really a Dark Souls guy, so I, I don't love using those comparisons, even though it's a, one of the most <laughs> popular one to make. But uh, and uh, I, I think Rob Steinman just sneezed and 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 blinked real hard just now. Yeah, me, oh for sure. Reinvoking that comparison, but I, I I understand it. Like the boss fights are so crafted and so intense in this game, it's uh they really stand out. Uh, Keegan, what are your thoughts on like Tyson's Punch Out? I I don't think this was the most controversial inclusion. No, um, it's actually funny that you mentioned it's uh, similar to Dark Souls because I have very much a feeling that Mike Tyson's Punch-Out and the Punch-Out series in general were more of a prelude to what we would see in the Monster Hunter series. You see, oh, like, now you're speaking yes, my uh, language. Mm-hmm. I know, yeah, because um, it all involves tells when, defi- when uh, fighting these gigantic beasts. I mean, King Hippo, Mike Tyson, all of them just tower over your character. And I believe it was either Super Punch-Out or the Punch-Out that they released on the Wii where you could actually take parts from the enemy boxers and use them to equip yourself better. Oh, I might be misremembering. Yeah, it was weird. It was a little weird. But I, don't, I don't remember that. It must, be, it must be one of the ones it didn't get as deep into. Yeah, we didn't really discuss it. It wasn't until Dark Souls metaphor that I was like, oh, no, I'm thinking Monster Hunter here. Right, okay. But, yeah, I'm de- it gives those Monster Hunter vibes, you know. I don't want to say Capcom stole from Nintendo, but I feel it a little bit in my bones. Nah, Monster Hunter didn't steal from anything. Monster Hunter is pure and original and perfect. That's fair. Now, <laughs> if uh, if Mike Tyson ever appears in Monster Hunter, though, okay, I'm going to want a written apology. Okay, ma- maybe I will accept that uh, your argument if Mike Tyson's skin or Mike Tyson monster appears in Monster Hunter. I, I will accept that, but that hasn't happened yet. Uh, I mean, World Monster Hunter World DLC has only really begun to roll out, though, so I guess there's still time. Ooh, that's true. I got to get that petition started online. Now, um, number five on the list, and Mike Mike Tyson's Punch Out, number six. We're that we're putting that one behind us now. Number five on the list is the only one on this list that I haven't played. Um, you you guys were fighting for this one more than I was, and but I except I didn't really fight you that hard because I know this game has a has a really lofty reputation, and that is Fantasy Star Four. Uh, I know it's uh, by far the most popular of the first four Fantasy Star games before they started moving on to the, like the um, like Fantasy Star Online jank for uh, for later systems. Um, but four is like is always cited as one of the best 16-bit RPGs. I have heard a, a bunch of people on the site are big fans of Fantasy Star Four, and and it's appeared on lists for Retro Encounter in the past. Uh, internal lists, not um. Not any, not a public vote or anything, but so I know it's popular. I know it's good, but I haven't played it. Uh, uh, Peter, what are your um, what's your experience with Fantasy Star Four? Uh, well, I actually have it as part of the um the, the classics collection on Steam. Oh, okay. and yeah, they later would port it to Steam to make this game more readily available. So you don't know, actually have to track down a Super Nintendo to be able to play it, which I always enjoy. 
I think nah. I think it, it is also on the Wii Virtual Console. It's uh, which is how I got it because I I went I went uh, mm-hmm. I went insane on the Wii U Virtual Console. I think I've spent over a hundred dollars on it, which is why yeah. which is another reason I'm not getting rid of my Wii. But uh, so I have it available to me, but I haven't played it before. Yeah, and it's just, it's this is one of those games where I love um I love the space opera kind of tone of it. I like uh I feel like sci-fi is a is a genre that gets underexplored in RPGs a lot. Um, we tend to focus it tends. Our RPGs tend to focus more on fantasy or just kind of a more goofy, offbeat aesthetic, and it's really rare that you get like a straight sci-fi game. So I really, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, and and as a classic RPG, it's held up surprisingly well. Oh yes, Keegan, you're a big fan of this game, if memory serves, from our discussions before, right? Uh, yes, it's funny because um, when we first came into the discussion. Uh, me and Peter were talking about sci-fi fantasy. And at first I really wanted to put in my personal favorite, the last hope, which I feel is one of the best uh, sci-fi operas out there in games. But I forgot that it was an Xbox 360 game and not a super Nintendo game. So bully on me. Little a decade ahead of yourself on that or so. (laughs) It happens every now and then. I understand the confusion. Yeah, they, they're very similar when you really dig down into it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I had, a, really, I had really, I, really dig down. Yeah, I put Psychic Nintendo three on my list originally, but then I forgot that's a Super Famicom game and not a Super Nintendo game. So we could, uh, so that, uh, had, that that had to be get cut early, which is a regret. But I mean, it yeah. hurts. Yeah, we, but we we set rigid rules for this list just to just to you know establish boundaries, and we have to follow those rules. But uh, so alas, no no Star Ocean: The Last Hope, no Psychic Nintendo three, but we do have Fantasy Star four. That's yeah, true. It is, it is probably one of the better games in the Fantasy Star series. I know that one gets more controversial, but I think when you put it down into the Super Nintendo, cut out the original Nintendo, um, I think there was a uh, Virtual Boy Fantasy Star. I'm not 100% on that, but I oh, feel like it was there. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> the um, My grasp of the Virtual Boy, other than that it had a pretty good Wario game, is basically non-existent. Yes, but Fantasy Star 4 is truly the epitome of uh, sci-fi fantasy. And if you have the opportunity to get your hands on it, whether it be through the Wii U Virtual Console or finding an old Super Nintendo, I highly suggest you play this game. Awesome. So, all right, so that is Fantasy Star 4, number five on our list. And we're going to move ahead to um, a game that I've, I admit I uh, was very really eager to talk about this is one of my all-time favorite super nintendo games the super nintendo adaptation of the board game clue is one of the finest offerings the system has to offer and the the absolutely rich cast of characters and dialogue in it are astounding um yeah like the the dialogue is so snappy i mean you've probably heard rob simon and i quote quote this game on uh random encounter a couple times with the like the uh the banter between Miss Scarlet and Miss and Colonel Mustard when they're uh, when they um, before they find the the dead motorist in the third puzzle in the game and uh, and the grand finale when you have to uh, use use the dialogue choices with Wadsworth to determine which ending you get is incredible. I, I like, so much about this about this is about Clue is uh, even though the um the puzzle design is great the setting is great the characters and dialogue are great I I admit that the combat is not the best but as sort of a you know, puzzle game, almost, uh, almost like an old school adventure game with some with RPG elements and just rich dialogue and story, and also incorporating so much from the classic board game. 
Clue for the Super Nintendo is an all-time great RPG. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel when you have so many uh, systems in a game, something does fall through at the end, and I unfortunately oh, yeah. that is the combat in Clue. It's still good for the time, but compared to the next three games, however, in our list, I do feel it does fall flat. It, that's yeah. one weakness of the game. Like the way that the weapon positioning in the combat works is if you have weapons in the wrong rooms during a final or near final encounter, you can reach an unwinnable state, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which is which is a real weakness. But like. Um, yeah, it's it's not it's not easy to hit that un- unwinnable state, but it's a it's a bummer for sure. For, fortunately, a lot of because I feel like Clue was the the inspiration for a lot of games like uh, that Telltale does or oh, yeah. uh, the Danganronpa series, especially. Yes. So and and they wisely learned from Clue's mistakes and decided to use other gameplay mechanics instead of the, the combat. But um. Clue still, I think, in in the in terms of its its uh, ending choices and that dialogue you mentioned, it's just it's so ahead of its time. And I'm amazed that they were able to use the likenesses of a uh, of some of Tim Curry and uh, Christopher Lloyd in this movie. It's and amazing. Martin Mull and Michael McKeon yeah. and Madeline Kahn and the the lady with um a of the very curvaceous woman from the later Police Academy movies who plays the Oh, movie. yeah. I, I forget. I forget. Uh, it, it's, uh... Oh, shoot. It's it's Colleen something. Uh, but, but whatever. The, uh, uh, the clue as a as a film adaptation and as a game adaptation and as an inspiration for future games uh, of that sort of adventure, visual novel, RPG style. It, it fits absolutely alongside the best LucasArts and Sierra and Sierra um, games of its ilk of that time. Undoubtedly. Absolutely. So that's Clue, and that was number four on our list. So we're moving on to spot number three. Um, one that was uh, – all three of us were pretty excited to include here. All three of us loved this one. There wasn't a lot of – you know, there was some controversy as to where to rank it, but no controversy about whether or not to include it. And that mm. is the Project Octopath Traveler demo version, which is – Outstanding. Uh, you should be. It's. Uh, I mean, it'll be impossible to find a Super Nintendo cartridge of this thing in in 2018. But uh, you still can find it on the Switch for download. And man, it is one of the best Super Nintendo RPG experiences you can get. Yeah, for sure. It's. You have um, a couple characters you can choose from, and it gives you just a lot of freedom. Hmm. You know, I make I make a lot of uh, deep cut jokes that we do on this show, but I feel like this is an important one. We're going to have, you know, people, detractors out there, but I guarantee you this is a Super Nintendo RPG to the core. I mean, there's really no fighting amongst that one. Mm. And it's the, uh, I mean, the sprite work and textures are unbelievable, like, like nothing you've ever seen on the Super Nintendo. They push and, the uh, system's limits yeah and the uh it's you know? the team that did um that went on to make bravely default and bravely second and you can see the lineage there of just the the gorgeous sprite work when the and the way that the backdrops are sort of um like 2d layers almost like a really beautiful diorama or something or like something with a cutout but it, but the environments and sprite work are amazing um Ulbrich and primrose are beautifully animated and have uh, really different gameplay mechanics surrounding both of them uh, and the, the turn-based combat is just sort of feels classic and modern at the same time. There's so much going on in the Project Octopath Traveler demo that I... I mean, is there a game on this list that needs a sequel that never got a sequel more badly than this one? 
Oh my goodness, yes. It's been, what, about like 15? Almost 20 years, I want to say. Well, I mean, yeah, they stopped making Super Nintendo games around around 98, 99. Yeah. Uh, which, I, which I'm aware is well into the N64's li- uh, lifespan, but there's some stuff like, uh, oh, like uh, Rockman and Forte that did have very late releases for the Super Nintendo. I think that one's 90, is 98 or something. But anyway, th- it has been over 20 years since... Um, since this Super Nintendo gem hit us, and no sequel in the in the interim, that's just that's just shameful, man. It really is. Right up there with uh, with Skies of Arcadia, and uh, um, Beyond Good and Evil, which is getting a sequel, but um, j- j- all these one-off games that never got a, the follow-up they deserved. So, do you have anything else to say about um, about the Project Octopath Traveler demo, or are we going, or are we ready to get to our final two? I apologize. I was. This is one of those games that makes me very emotional i actually have been playing this one consistently since i was a little boy it's just it's amazing it almost doesn't even feel like a super nintendo game at some points i mean as the years have gone on it just feels constantly modern and natural and i know it's very hard to find a copy of project octopath traveler for the Super Nintendo, but if you have the opportunity right. at a trade oh, oh, show, oh, 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 you, you mean you mean Project Doc- you mean Project Octopath Traveler demo, right? Sorry. Oh, that's right. Uh, Project Octopath Traveler. That was the rumor that was going around that we were going to get a Switch re-release. I think. Um, yeah, it, it's um, well, not a Switch re-release. It would be a full Switch release. Project um, Octopath Traveler is not out, but the Project Octopath Traveler demo did have. Uh, the, the Super Nintendo Classic did have a Switch version at the end of 2017, I think. But uh, that's yeah, right. Because I think, yeah, because it was a little bit before Christmas is when I downloaded it. So it was. It would have been December, of, it, probably November or December of last year. But it's a- absolutely um, feels ahead of its time, stands the test of time, and uh, that's that Switch new game coming out. I I don't know. My both of my eyebrows are raised, but I don't I don't know if it'll be as good as that original Project Octopath Traveler demo. Yeah, it's it's a hard legacy to live up to. All right, but I think that's enough talking about our number three game. Uh, so let's get into the final two, starting with number two, Final Fantasy VI PC port. Yes, this was a hard-fought yeah. battle. Final Fantasy VI is one of the best RPGs ever made, but that original version of it just has so many bugs and glitches and weird exploits it's basically unplayable yeah uh, there's there's so much jank in the super nintendo original release of ff6 like the uh um, the magic block stat doesn't work at all there's a lot of glitches that even some instant win glitches and so and uh and like real crazy if you want to get real crazy looking up ff6 glitches let me look up wind god gao or or uh psycho cyan but the PC port from uh, fairly recently, I want to say maybe two years ago, uh, fixes every issue you would want with the game, uh, reimagines the dialogue in a brilliant way, and uh, just and it also reinterprets the sprite work in FF6 that turns a classic, a, a flawed classic, into a near perfect classic. Mm-hmm. I I hesitate to use the word perfection, but it's. Man, this game gives me those vibes. Like, I usually prefer original versions of games, but ever since I touched the PC port of Final Fantasy VI, I just cannot go back to the original anymore. It's so good, especially the colors and the sprite work. They pop so they pop so much, and they they just 
practically jump out of the screen. I, yeah, it's amazing. I, I, I don't think I could ever go back to the original version of this, or or the or the GBA or or PS1 ports. It's a it's only PS uh, only PC from now on. Mm, I think uh, one of my favorite additions that they made to the PC port of Final Fantasy VI was how rather than seeing a constant static uh, status bar, if you will, showing player characters, their health and their moves, instead the status bar slowly creeps up from the bottom over time. And that anticipation is just, it's an extra edge to battle. Like will uh, Sabin or Cyan's name pop up just in time? I know some people thought of it as a hassle, but if you're a real Final Fantasy fan, I feel like you're going to appreciate this. So, uh, uh, Peter, how many times have you run through the PC version of FF6? Um, at least uh, only only twice, I'm afraid. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I had, but I had to do it again because I wanted to see. Um, I, I really just had to experience the uh, the updated visuals for myself the first time, and then after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back in. I'm going to 100 percent this. Like, yeah, I've, I've also only done it twice, and that's be, and the, the second reason was probably because of the best addition at all of all to FF6 is um, uh, Steam achievements. Like I uh, being able to collect those Steam achievements and uh, making sure that you pick up 100 percent of the chests, even in the time limited areas of the game, and uh, and and just unlocking uh, portrait art that is. J- j- just breathtaking. Um, missing a few of those treasure chests in my first run made me, you know, start the second run of this game just as soon as I possibly could. The uh, the new art assets, the new um, UI and dialogue, and Steam achievements are really the three extra hits that this game needed to become again near perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I concur. So let's see now, and uh, we uh, we do have a. A Final Fantasy VI episode of Retro Encounter from, I believe, near the end of 2016. So, like, uh, I would say October or November of 2016 that Alana and I go over. But that was um, that was mostly informed by the Super Nintendo version and not the superior PC Super Nintendo port. But uh, go back and give that a listen if you want us to really go deep into the characters and story of FF6. But it's an all-time classic, and the PC port of the Super Nintendo game is just... Just like chef kissing fingers emoji. So, gentlemen, we've talked about nine games in particular, plus some others that arose that arose in the discussion of those nine. Because you know we we never stay perfectly on topic in Retro Encounter. But, <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, but we do have a number one game that we picked. Uh, it wasn't always the number one game on the list. It floated around the in in the top four or five for a while. But then when once it hit that number one spot and all of the arguments were on the table, I'm pretty sure all of us were satisfied that this was the number one Super Nintendo RPG of all time. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we it, like there there was discussion for every position on this list, but one, once we you know really analyzed it, there was no doubt at all. The bet number one on our top ten Super Nintendo RPGs for RPG fans retro encounter is Super Mario Brothers. Starring Bob Hoskins. Oh, you know, just hearing the name again gives me chills. That's how much of an impact this RPG has had on my life. Yeah, and it, and this project was very difficult on Bob Hoskins. So, and, and his 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 performance and his contribution to the game is just commendable. And and the fact that he was able to work with uh, 
the who was who is Luigi in this version? John John Linguizamo. John Linguizamo. Yeah, right. And and they just both they just we both do such a great job. You hear stories about them like doing shots in between uh, their voice acting clips, like. Yeah. And John Linguizamo, I mean, I I, I wasn't that familiar which call it with his filmography i know he was uh i know he was a voice in the ice age movies but th- like this is the absolute height of his oeuvre like it, like he was in the uh he was in the basil Luhrmann romeo and juliet which i uh i i, I kind of hated as a kid because uh but like it's okay it's still bad i mean just just <laughs> right but hoskins and dennis hopper and john loguzamo are just Absolutely, all at the top of their game in this Super Nintendo classic, and its interpretation of the Mar- of the storied Mario universe, which has you know had pr- dozens, if not a hun- if not a hundred games over the years, um, especially with how visceral the sort of uh, um, you know sort of the urban jungle of the di- of Dinosaur Land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a I mean, way, in a way, it's almost like a better version of the prehistoric timeline from Chrono Trigger. Yes. Someone had to say it, and I'm very glad that we got that out in this podcast. Yeah, and, and I mean, Mario has always had sort of dinosaurs and dragons in it. But I mean, I mean, Koop, uh, Koopas and uh, Goombas are dinosauric in nature, and Yoshi is a uh, is Mario's dinosaur ally. But seeing it really come to life, I mean, it's like it's like the first time the uh, the Jurassic Park theme hits you when they're looking over the hill. Super Mario Brothers has like eight moments like that. Especially in the middle, in the middle section in the movie after they fo- after they meet Daisy and and follow her through the portal, I, I enjoyed that too that they use Daisy for this RPG. We get a lot of Peach, you know, throughout most of the mm-hmm. um, Super Mario series, and I enjoyed that we gave Daisy her time to shine. It's good to see other characters getting some love. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I was I was the most excited person uh, among all you know Nintendo fans when they br- I learned they were bringing back Pauline for Super Mario Odyssey last year because I I uh like I love the um Game Boy Donkey Kong game that which from 94 which is not a Super Nintendo game so we probably shouldn't be talking about it and it's borderline RPG at best but like uh the fact that they went a little deeper into the Mario cast of characters to populate this RPG and uh that and she's a little bit of a damsel in distress in this movie because I mean really the the uh, the party interaction is between um, Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, but it's it, it was a really deep cut and a cool choice for the uh, for the creators to make for um, the story. And oh, I mean, can we also talk about how visceral the those Goombas are with the suits oh, and oh the heads? My, oh my goodness! I mean, yeah, when I think of this, I think of like a uh, Fallout design, but. Bethesda and all of them just need to get out of the way because Nintendo did it first and Nintendo did it best. It's a yeah, mix. Of, it's a mixture of awe and terror when you see the uh, the Koopalings and the uh, and the Goombas in this in this was, fantastic work of art. Yeah, it's such a bold design choice that uh, it just brings to mind like the best parts of Blade Runner. Um, just that aesthetic going forward. That Super Mario Bros. does not get enough credit for how it helps to pioneer that design. Mm-hmm. And and also because uh, I mean because the visuals are more um, are definitely ahead of the other um, uh, Mario output on the Super Nintendo and regular Nintendo. The addition of the uh, of the jumping boots um, sort of peeled a layer of the Mario onion that uh, that I'm sure f- that every fan just found inspiring and rewarding. It's 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 crazy. Like the world of Super Mario Brothers. Not the 1993 one, not the not the not the Nintendo video game, obviously, not not the uh, not the arcade game, or the NES game, 
but 1993's Super Mario Brothers tweaks and expands the Mario universe in ways that no other game has done before or probably since. And it's 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 breathtaking. Wait, I, th- I think uh, the exact number was about like 93.5% of modern day Mario lore comes specifically from this game. Am I correct? You made I might be a little up on the numbers. Yeah, you made it. You made up that number. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like, I mean, can you quantify lore? That's weird. Yeah, we're, that's true. We're not. We're not filling up like a, a checklist in a Ubisoft I mean, game or something. I mean, I mean, the people who watched Last Jedi certainly tried to quantify lore. But... Oh boy, don't don't even get me started on that. Let's, let's let's get in on that discussion another time. Yeah. Okay. So that's. I, I think we've basically closed the book on it. We have broken down these ten games these 10 Super Nintendo RPGs to such detail and with such, in, and with such enthusiasm that I, I, you may not agree with our list, but we believe in this list. And this is Retro Encounters' official list of top 10 Super Nintendo RPGs. Going from top to bottom, again, number 10, Chrono Trigger. Number 9, Act Razor. Number 8, Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest. Number 7, Mega Man Soccer. Number six, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Number five, Fantasy Star 4. Number four, Clue. Number three, Project Octopath Traveler Demo. Number two, Final Fantasy VI PC Port. And number one, 1993's Super Mario Brothers, starring Bob Hoskins and others. No take-backs. This is official. This is set in stone. Those Those are the ten best Super Nintendo RPGs based on our very rigorous vetting process and about a little less than a month of discussion between the three of us. Yep, we absolutely did not do this like 40 minutes before the show. No. 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 We we I, we we did some clarifying like uh like what I would say at the beginning um uh in the time before the show and and you know I just but it, it, it was it was all done weeks ago. We, we this episode has been coming since almost the beginning of 2018. But um finally yeah, I'm finally glad that we're that it's you know going to be in the open for the world to discover and devour. I feel the world will embrace this list with open arms. I think we made some valid points across every entry, and I feel well, confident in what we chose. I mean, I am confident in what we chose, but I disagree with you, Keegan. People are not going to open the, welcome this with open arms because pe- because the Super Nintendo is such a beloved console that its fans will definitely have strong feelings about it. There's zero percent chance that this list will be fully accepted, but I accept that because I mean. It's just people expressing their passion and their feelings for just terrific video games. Even if people don't agree with our list, that doesn't matter because we put in the work and we made the list and now it is out for the uh, for the entire world and it is our list. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'm proud of it and I think you guys should both be proud of it as well. Fair. I accept your acceptance of my acceptance. So now, listeners, we're done with the top 10 Super Nintendo RPGs of Retro Encounter by RPGFan.com. Let's talk about the future a little bit. Um, April is going to be the Legend of Zelda month for Retro Encounter. We've, uh, I think we've teased this a little bit in the previous two episodes. But uh, we're going to do four episodes in a row in the month of April. Each one will be about a specific Legend of Zelda topic. Uh, two of those topics will be two specific games... Um, the Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening and The Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap, one of which was a, a vote from among RPG fan staff and one that was a public vote that we threw out there, I think, in February. But those are, each of those is going to have a dedicated episode. Plus, we're going to bring back the favorite blank of our of Retro Encounter format that, uh, Peter, you and I both did episodes on Final Fantasy and on Pokemon Generations in that, uh, in that style. Do you, uh, you remember those? 
Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, so, we're gonna be doing another one on our favorite Zelda games. Indeed, we are. We I don't think I don't know if we've assembled, assembled the panel yet. We haven't recorded it, but that's gonna be a lot of fun to record. I uh, I'm really excited to see where we arrive on the best Zelda month. Maybe, maybe, there, I mean, the best Zelda game. We there there might be a Super Nintendo game making an appearance on that list, but on that, but I don't. I have no idea what's gonna win. Yeah, I doubt it's gonna live up to the the, the games we just assembled, but yeah. you know. It's worth mentioning. Oh, okay. I, I won't be coy about it. We did talk about a link to the past for making this list, but it uh, it, it couldn't crack the top ten. I don't I don't know if we made it the top twenty. It might be in the eleven to twenty range, but I I, I don't know. We never went that far. Yeah. But listeners, uh, please look forward to four episodes of Zelda coming after this one. If you want to reach us directly, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com, or you can also comment on the rpgfan.com boards, visit the RPG Fan Facebook page, visit the RPG Fan Discord, or uh, find us on iTunes, Google Play, however you found listen to this podcast, and leave a review there. We read everything that is directed to us, even if it's some truly hateful garbage. We, we prefer constructive criticism, and we accept anything, and we'll read anything. Uh, and thank you for listening. So, um, starting with you, Keegan, how can listeners contact you? Um, well, folks, I am not super active on the boards, but what I am there, my username is Fozzie Bear. Um, you can find me mostly on Twitter under the handle Kaylee Brand. If you have any thoughts or ideas about this episode, please just send them my way through there. And Peter. Uh, and uh, you, for me, you can find me at I Have Fury on Twitter. I'm also I Have Fury on the boards, though again, we don't really frequent them very often. You can also email me PRT at RPGFan.com. Super. And uh, for me personally, I am Monsoon on the boards. I am Monsoon Mike on Discord, although I, I'm not as terribly active on that. Uh, our uh, we. RPG fan staff have very varying <laughs> levels of interaction on the forums and on Discord. Uh, and on Twitter, I am at the Real Monsoon most of the time, and at Evoker for Dogs sometimes. And if you want to email me, you, that's, you can email me with my last name, Solosi at RPGFan.com. So, gentlemen, I think we've closed the book on this episode. Do we have anything that we want to say to the listeners? April Fools. Hey.